folks. It's Thursday, October 4th, 2018, 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific. This is Pillars of Franchising. Uh, my co-host is Ray Pillar, and I'm Fred McMurray. Uh, sorry for the uh, low-key uh, intro. Um, I'm kind of down, Ray. Yeah, yep, yeah, I understand. You haven't had your um, coffee. Or well, that I have, that? but it, it's worse than that, my friend. It, it's it's worse than that. Um, you, you know, everyone knows the the, or at least our listeners know the story of how I met you through because of a um, podcast and somebody I met on LinkedIn, um, Ivor Kellogg, mm-hmm. um, because he was a podcaster on the Link Local Network. Well, the story actually goes deeper than that um, I had met somebody through LinkedIn uh, a guy named Mike Bowler and I think you Mike actually may have interviewed you once um, and he and I started building Link Local Network and he was the one who hosted the first uh, radio show that I produced and actually Michelle um, was a slated to be a returning guest um, and became his uh, co-host. And that was probably a year before we met. So if it hadn't been for Mike being willing to do that first show, probably never would have gone into doing podcast and uh, would never obviously have met you. So um, the reason I bring Mike up is he's gone missing in the uh, Highlands Ranch area of Denver. This is on the south side of the area. Uh, we know that uh, his cell phone was left at his house. Uh, we think he went for a walk, probably a smoke in the nearby forest, uh, may have gotten lost and hurt, and he's been missing for about two weeks. So for our listeners in the Denver area, if you've seen Mike, uh, please uh, let me know on my Facebook page. So, yeah, that's why I'm down, right? Um, hopefully yeah. some of our listeners can um, make life better. Yeah, yeah. Understood. Understood. How's the weather? Uh, we'll now? send up a prayer. Yeah, we'll send up a prayer for Mike. Thank yeah. you, Shane. People keep telling me the weather's turned back there, and it's like, you know, low 70s, sunny. Um, day you'd probably hate out here. <laughs> well, here in Aurora, uh, the uh, the sun is out. It's an absolute beautiful day, a light breeze. It's 60.8 degrees, which is, from, from my perspective, is perfect because you can actually go outside and work, you know, if you need to cut the grass or something like that and not break into a sweat. So this is perfect weather as far as I'm concerned compared to... Uh, not that long ago, when we our last broadcast, or no time before last, I can't remember now. I was in Dallas. Temperatures in the hundreds with humidity in the 80 percent area. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. But from there, I drove to the UP, where the temperatures were in the 40s. <laughs> and you look like that you were I enjoyed. Fun with your drone. Yeah, you look like you're having fun with your drone there. 
I was. I was. It was absolutely gorgeous out. Had a chance to uh, get the drone up in the air and, and take some beautiful pictures of um, Lake Superior, my friend's house. Uh, his backyard, or their backyard, is uh, Lake Superior, literally, showing uh, some of the erosion that they're suffering. They got $40,000 worth of rocks in their backyard just to keep the uh, the property line so that they can keep the house. Wow. Sounds like California mud yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we should once we can once we can get the drone uh footage public, we should put a put some of it up on the pillars of franchising so uh people can see what um being su- successful in franchising is like. Being able to take the mobile Sounds good. Uh, all right. So speaking of helping people uh helping people become successful in franchising, which is what we're all about. Who's our first guest, my friend? His name is Tom. (laughs) Hi, Tom. Hey. (laughs) Hey. What a minimalist introduction. I I am a minimalist guy, I tell (laughs) you. I like everything in a nutshell. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, I... I... (laughs) I love this show. Um, Tom. <laughs> Tom Scarda. Hi, Tom. Thank How you. Doing, you. <laughs> hey, Ray. Hey, Fred. This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, strap in. It's going to be a fun one. <laughs> I, I have two Welcome. young brothers who uh, constantly uh, bug me when we're together, so now I feel like I'm back with my brothers who are bugging me. <laughs> Franchising for a while, you've seen a whole lot of it. You're the host of the Franchise Academy podcast. You've written three books. One of them's a bestseller, Franchise Savvy: Six Strategies Pros Use to Pick a Top Performing Franchise. Why do you like franchising? <laughs> the reason I like franchising is because it changed my life. Because uh, prior to franchising, I was a New York City subway conductor. The guy who opens and closes the door if you've ever been on a New York City subway. <laughs> um, so I totally changed my life through franchising. Never thought, you know, never when I was younger, I never envisioned it. And then I kind of all came together. Yeah, I, I read that part about, and somebody told you something when you were a uh, franchise, uh, I mean, when you were a conductor on the train, right? That kind of changed your life. Yeah, you know, I was I was young. I was kind of a young guy, I guess. It was my work, my first real job. Um, I was probably about 24, 25, something like that. And um, I was kind of down uh, one day working because I, ha- I had to work um, Wednesday through Monday. I had Tuesday, Wednesday off. On Sundays, I have I had to work on the R train. And if you're familiar with the R train in New York, <laughs> it's the only train that doesn't come out of the subway the whole time. You never see daylight. For, for eight hours when you're working that particular run. And I was really down, and, and um, an old-timer said to me, hey, kid, don't be down because this is a great job. You'll always have a shirt on your back. It'll never be a silk shirt, but you'll always have a shirt. And I just, it hit me like a ton of, I don't know, a ton of bricks. And it's kind of like mediocrity to me. And I looked around at my bosses, and, you know, 
people who I who I loved, men and women who actually taught me a lot of things back then, but they were not living the lifestyle I wanted to live. But I realized business owners were, and I re- I decided in that moment I wanted to own a business, but I didn't know how. And I read a lot of books and went to a couple of seminars, and I realized that a franchise is a business with training wheels, and that's what I needed. Um, so I ended up working through a franchise consultant who matched me to a smoothie franchise. I got into it, quit my job, left the pension and the, you know benefits and everything behind, the golden handcuffs, built this into three, built my franchise into three locations, and uh, in five short years, I sold it and essentially semi-retired at 41 years old, and uh, kind of the American dream, and it was it was quite a blessing. Wow, that 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 little story kind of rang true with me because uh, my dad always said, "Son, you're never going to make any money working for someone else." And of course, I went out to the workforce, and I was working for somebody else, and I was making money. But that's not what he meant. <laughs> he meant that's real right. money, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And it didn't didn't dawn on me until I started to, you know, raise a family what he meant. And uh, that's when I, you know, followed his advice and uh, you know started going into business because it, it makes a it makes a big difference. It, it's, so, it's a major difference, and there's so many, you know, there's tax advantages and so many different. Things, but you know, we're all taught to go to school and get a job. We're not taught to go to school and buy a business, and that's I think where you know, me and my colleagues that are on the uh, show today actually help people in figuring that out how to how to buy a business. Yes, yes. That's, there's there's a lot involved in it, but I I I'll never forget the the, the first day after well the first week after I opened my franchise sitting at, at my desk and saying, hey, this is me. I have c- created this business, and there was a certain amount of pride that, you know, you can't describe uh, with uh, ownership. It's sort of like when you buy your first house, and you walk yeah. in and say, wow, this is this is mine. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, your, your, your dreams are coming true. Yeah, it's, it's true. But at the same time, it's probably – for me, anyway, it was the toughest thing I've ever done, but the most mm-hmm. rewarding thing I've ever done. So, because I worked for the, you know, I was a city government worker, um, I didn't really work that hard. <laughs> you know, you just got to show up and you got paid. Sounds <laughs> uh, like you were retired already sudden, there. <laughs> I, you know, all of a sudden I had a business, and it comes with a lot of responsibility. And so there's a lot to learn, even in a franchise. Um, but, you know, that's what we help people do is, is you know, when, when you're looking at changing your life, you know, it's, it's really not the choice between, you know, franchise A or franchise B, but it's really the choice between uncertainty or unhappiness. And unfortunately, most people choose unhappiness. Okay, so question. Here, here's a question or two here. So... Um, Tom, how old were you when you made this decision of life's too short to work for somebody else? Because that's literally 36. the decision you made. 36. Yep. And Ray, yep. when was it that you made it? 
Well, uh, I started this franchise uh, 15 years ago, but I also started uh, electrical contracting business before that and a home remodeling business before that. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. the thing the, the, the thing is, though, that, you know, you almost have to have these failures to be a success because yep. all, all failures are nothing more than learning opportunities. It's, okay. you know, and it's not how far, how far you fall. It's how, you know, how fast you can get it's up. How, it's how far, how you bounce. No, I get that. So what I'm looking at is what age were you though, when you finally decided life was too short to work for somebody else? Oh, so let's go back. Um, I'm going to say 30, 40 years ago. So, so I'm 71. So about 31, you were 31, 32. Yeah. 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 That sounds about right. Okay. So I think that's, um, that probably hits a lot of people about that time. Well, I was, I was, I think 42 when I finally walked away. Um, and it took a, literally a, a dead body in my arms. Um, mm-hmm. uh, to, to provide the impetus. Um, so, Tom, you're saying somebody said to you, you'll always have a job, and, man, you woke up and said, okay, I'm out of here? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I, I didn't quit the next day. It took many years, actually. Um, well, kudos to you, dude. You know, study. I'm sorry? I said kudos to you for making that decision that early and then working for it. That's That's impressive is all I'm saying. Yeah, well, well, thank you. And and I also want to follow up like I do with my candidates that I had a great success with my smoothie franchise. Then I got into a second franchise called Super Suppers, which was a make-and-take kind of operation. And um, it's the kind of place where you come and you make dinners, follow uh-huh. our recipes, uh, take them home and freeze them on days when you're busy. You pull it out of the freezer and you have a home-cooked meal you know, in 30 mm-hmm. minutes, 45 minutes on heating it up. And we were the first ones in New York, and we were – my wife was actually running it, and we had – we were on 11 different TV stations, including, like, CNN. Um, at one point in 2006, she was on the front page of the Sunday New York Times talking about how oh. America is changing. And they said, we are changing Amer- the way America eats the way Swanson and McDonald's did 50 years earlier which was music in my ears, but within about 19 months, we were out of business and lost $400,000. Oh. So that's what made me a franchise expert, and that's really the, a lot of the basis of my book, Franchise Savvy, is how to avoid those mistakes that I made um, in a business that didn't work. So what were the um, – you got six franchises, but what would you say we were the top two mistakes you made – in that one, I mean, getting on the cover of the New York Times, that seems to, um, okay, even I'm impressed. Um, yeah, it was, it was blue. I mean, I, I have the article here. I can, I can show it to you. It's amazing. But um, there's a few kind of mistakes that, that, you know, so many people make, which is why they really should talk, people should talk to a franchise consultant to figure out what's the best route because you really don't know what you don't know for real. Um, one of the big things is becoming infatuated with a concept 
um, and not being able to think straight. When you're infatuated, you don't think straight. And um, we were not making good, competent business decisions. And um, so that was the, the beginning of, of the fall. Also, um, getting involved with a franchise company that was a brand new industry. Um, you know, who knew about this make and take thing? It sounded like a great idea. And, and it was a great idea. People loved it. They came once, but they never came a second time for the most part, uh, and which was probably the, the issue. Um, hmm. It was just, it's hard to change people's habits. So if you're looking at a business, you got to, you know, unless you have a lot of money and a lot of time, it's really hard to change somebody's habits. You're better off getting into something that systematized an industry that was fragmented. You know, like you think about McDonald's, they did not invent hamburgers. Amco did not invent transmissions. They just systematized it and rolled it out across the country for people to plug into their own little American dream. Hmm. Interesting. Ray? That, that, uh, well, it's very interesting. One of the reasons I got involved in, in, in my particular industry is the residuals. Um, mm-hmm. Having having played a little bit with uh, uh, as an insurance agent at one time in my life, I realized that there is where the money is, and that's that repeat business uh, when a, a customer becomes a client. So uh, that is one of the reasons I picked this one, and also that I personally wasn't interested in going out and cleaning homes. I was interested in running the business. So That's it. Uh, with my pr- prior ventures, I was the solo guy. I was the company, you know. <laughs> so I was the one going out there performing the electrical contracting work and, and the remodeling work. But uh, this, you know, what I'm in now is uh, I, I, I don't work in the company. I work on the company. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's a, it's a, and people don't wake up in the morning thinking that's the kind of business they want to get into. But when you look at it plainly as a business model, you you know you you're really impressed. It's a really a great business model, and, and mm-hmm. people just you know the, they they might turn their nose up at it because they just don't know what they don't know. And when they try to when they do turn their nose up at it and try to punch holes in it, it just tells me that they know nothing about business, and they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, judgmental without knowing what they, you know, they should be asking questions, not making judgments. I, I had to be convinced by, uh, and, and forgive me, I, I don't know who the franchise consultant was that I worked with, but he had to, you know, work hard to convince me uh, to, yeah. to go with uh, Molly Maid. Yeah, and, it's, and so, I'm sure that the consultant didn't really convince you as much as just showed you Stuff that you didn't know, you know, it's yeah. up to you. Right? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna buy or not buy on your own volition, not on anybody else's. So, it, you know, but you, people just don't know the facts. They they make judgments and and then people talk them out of it. That you know, those those armchair you know lawyers and people like that. I call them. Oh yeah. All right. So since we're talking about how people get in there. Um, there's obviously, um, as being a small business owner, whether you're a franchisee or not, there's a, a um, there's always, I guess, fear um, 
because we're small business folks and there's much, much larger predators out there. Um, so how does somebody manage fear in their business and uncertainty so they live, especially in a franchisee's mind, a more balanced, happy life? Well, the, the fear of, you know, buying the business or the fear of the everyday operation? I, I guess how do you, how you manage change? How do you, how do you manage the change and embrace fear? Well, my first book, The Magic of Choosing Uncertainty, is that's what the whole entire book is about, right? So there, there's actually steps to embracing fear, and, and it starts by desensitizing yourself by kind of stepping into it in small ways. So if you're afraid to fly, as an example, as, as a passenger on a commercial jetliner, don't go and book a ticket and go on vacation tomorrow, but tomorrow get in the car and drive to the airport, <laughs> drive around, and drive home, step one. And, and so the thing that people need to understand is that fear does not go away. You can never conquer fear, only gain knowledge on how to get past it. And there's some great books, you know, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Dr. Susan Jeffers is a great, great book. Um, desensitizing yourself and understanding that your fear most likely is irrational. And and I share with folks all the time that, you know, you really, what, what we're always dealing with as humans is, you know, we have two brains, one in our head and one in our gut. And the one in our head is as old as man on earth, but the one in our gut, which is the one we're supposed to listen to, that's as old as God or whatever you believe in, infinity. And so when you're looking at a business as an example, you know, you could do spreadsheets from here to kingdom come and try to figure out the numbers and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to listen to your gut because you could really, you'll make it happen. It's up to you. But, you know, if you're listening to your head, your head's going to tell you run as fast as you can because, again, you're taught to go to school and get a job, not taught to go to school and buy a business. Um, so it's, so fear so is always going to be there. So what you're saying is if I've got a fear of falling, I should – well, in my case, I went and went skydiving, but um, – <laughs> That's a way to get over it. Um, and then I walked in and, and signed up for my next one and a third one and a fourth one. Yeah, I don't have a fear of falling anymore. <laughs> um, but I like what you say, right? What do you think? Uh, well, the first thing I, I thought of when he said uh, fear, and, and I, we've talked about fear on, on the show before, and I kind of equate that with tension, sort of like the tension on a, a, a violin. Uh, you need some of that tension in order to to motivate yourself to get ahead. And uh, like like a musical instrument, if the string is too loose, it doesn't sound right. If it's too tight, it doesn't sound right. Uh, in the case of being too tight, it could even get you sick. But you need a certain amount of fear or tension um, to keep you going, to keep things uh, organized in such a way that whatever created that fear or tension is uh, not going to come back. And yeah. you, know, you just kind of, you know, and, and you just kind of wait for the next thing to come up. 
and uh, crack that. And finally, you get to the point where it just, uh, you know, there isn't that much fear and tension, and things are running smoothly. Exactly. But you have to do it. There's like that gray area or that, you know, that chasm to jump across because you don't know unless you do it. And you got mm-hmm. you gotta have to get yourself motivated by either listening to some audio tapes or <laughs> reading some books. I mean, the, the thing that really helped me out in a really big way was a book called The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker, who actually ended up endorsing my, my book, Franchise Savvy. And for, you know, what he's saying is that, you know, at the end of the day, when you're sitting in your rocking chair, you're going to you're going to regret the things that you didn't do, not the things that you did do. Um, yeah. And so and we're always operating from the place of, you know, fear of loss um, and people play not to lose instead of playing to win. And that is, you know, you can't play with scared money. If scared money doesn't make money. You need to get out there and and just do it. At the end of the day, like, you know, for me, I lost a ton of money on my second franchise. And believe me, I I was crying at the time. Um, But now I look back on it as one of the biggest blessings I've ever had in my life. Because now I can talk Mm -hmm. to people and say, hey, man, I've been there. You got nothing to worry about. You know, if, if you're if you do it the right way, and you do fail. You're not going to be living in a in a you know refrigerator box under the freeway, but you know you'll be you know it stinks. You lost money, and then you're going to have to go and kind of get a job that you're probably going to hate and pay back your your debt. And that's all you you know. Don't file for bankruptcy and all that kind of stuff. But you don't have to do all of that. Just don't just don't invest more than half of your net worth. Is what I tell people. Right. Right. So, you know, once you hit bottom, there's only one way to go, right? There's all. That's right. <laughs> you know? So things, the way I look at it is if things were to go really bad right now for whatever reason, the economy or whatever, I've been down there. I know what it's like. I can exist. I'll be happy. See, I don't fear the bottom because I've been there. It's when I'm climbing back up and the next guy comes flying down and knocks, hits me. That really annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta make sure you hang out with the right people. You know, they they say you're you're the result of the five people you hang around with most. So and look at who I'm hanging around with now. So I, I again, I'm in good company. <laughs> no way. <Yeah. Hey. laughs> Go ahead, Ray. Uh, one of the things that uh, kind of uh, interested me and is that, uh, Tom, you have a podcast. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, you know what? Before you do that, tell us about your books. Where can people get your books? Because our studio audience, uh, I say, keep on saying studio, our, our audience may be interested in, in acquiring your books. Yeah. Um, there's a little website out there called Amazon. I don't know if you ever heard of it. <laughs> nah. Yeah, just, just kidding. A- Amazon.com. You can just put in my name, Tom Scarta. That's S-C-A-R-D as in David A. Tom Scarta. Um, it's on my website, TomScarta.com. 
you know, so there's various ways to access it. Also, it's available on audio. So if you have to listen to audio books, you can listen to Franchise Sally on audio. Um, and, and I made it kind of brief and, and to the point. Um, so you, you could probably read it in, in a weekend if you had to. And I kind of made it like that on purpose because typically people that are thinking about franchising are thinking about it right now. They're not reading about it for weeks on end. I, I just want to point out here that Amazon is not a franchisor. No. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, you could be truth there. Could be truth there. They, they, well, they're talking about they're trying to um, they're actually franchising. I'm not sure if it's a franchise or a license yet, but they're they're doing something with their routes. So you could yeah. understand that last month. 60,000 people applied by a route. Yep. Oh, like a delivery route, you mean? For yep, a delivery product. route for Amazon. Oh, cool. Oh, maybe I can use my drone there. <laughs> <laughs> Next wave. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. On that note, it's time for station. <laughs> Broadcasting our show We're looking forward to expanding the shoutcast If you're listening in At the website you can uh, Enter comments in and Catch it on our live chat Or you can call in at 323-580-5755 That's 323-580-5755 And now a word from One of our sponsors Hey franchise owners Does the marketing that corporate provides For your franchise go far enough Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to MediaVineMarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. MediaVine Marketing. We know franchises, and we want to help yours grow. Okay, right, and we're back. So who's our next guest? Our next guest is Chris. Ooh, another minimum <laughs> 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 I, I, I like Chris's name, but I think Chris should change the N and the G. And uh, well, <laughs> have that more more of a punch, you know. But uh, so hi, Chris. Why don't man go? Uh, why don't you tell our? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pronounced Mangum, but uh, thank you. <laughs> it's uh, no, that I, that, that kind of harkens back to uh, uh, high school um, nicknames, you know. So, um, but oh, we won't yeah, get into yeah. get into that. So, <laughs> nonetheless, welcome, welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Welcome, welcome. Like I said earlier, strap yourself in. It's a bit wild today. So, <laughs> we to, tell us where you are so we know what the, you can give us the weather report. Um, I am actually sitting in Tulsa, Oklahoma today, where it's uh, 
a nice fall 78 degrees in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But uh, uh, fall hasn't quite hit us yet, but um, we are hoping that we might get a, a day or two of it here in the next couple of weeks. So, All right. So my first question of all Tulsa guests, or actually even Oklahoma City guests, is have you ever gotten busted by the speed trap on the north side of Tulsa? Uh, I, yeah, they, they, they definitely like to, to sit there. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a stretch between here and the airport and, uh, actually out towards where I live in a, a town called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Um, they're starting to uh, line up there as well. So yeah, I totally, totally understand where you're coming from. So man, I think I had three tickets. I finally had to take traffic school. So I wouldn't hit my license that hard, and that I was only flying oh, down no. to, flying through to drive up to Arkansas. Go ahead, Ray. Sorry, to Kansas. Sorry, Arkansas City, Kansas. That's, uh, go ahead, Ray. <laughs> so, you, so uh, Fred, you say you like to speed. Is that correct? So, what what, what you probably paid for in those tickets, you could got a radar thingy, and uh, you know, wouldn't have to worry about it. Well, the first two I think I submitted into plant expenses um, since they were paying my travel costs. The third one, I would have put another point on my license, and that I didn't want to do. So, yeah, that's when I learned how to take traffic school online. Ah, uh, okay. But is, were you living in the area at the time in order to get three tickets? tickets? Well, uh, no, I was okay. flying. I spent uh, – on that, so the last, uh, the two years of corporate work I did before I, uh, I had my um, life's too short, I was working for a uh, Black Angus beef company, Creekstone Farms Premium Beef, whose uh, slaughter facility at that point in time was in Arkansas City, Kansas, which was about 90 minutes south east of Wichita, so I would either, depending on flight, since I was flying that first year in and out almost every week, and that second year every other week um, or more, I would either fly into Wichita, Oklahoma City, or Tulsa, whichever had the cheapest flights. By the third ticket, I was never flying into Tulsa again. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, have um, you gotten many tickets? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, fortunately, um, I've learned where the the radar sits, so <laughs> no one to slow down. But, um, so yeah, I. Uh, uh, Chris Mangum, I run uh, or I uh, operate um, Gallagher Franchise Solutions, which is uh, uh, a uh, uh, division or part of a large uh, commercial risk management firm called Gallagher. Um, we specialize in, in assisting franchisors and franchisees managing their risk. So that's what I, I do today. So risk meaning insurance? Yes, risk, uh, insurance-related uh, safety, loss control, uh, everything from property and casualty through to um, life and health, uh, to be honest with you, and finding solutions that that fit uh, both the franchisor community as well as the, the independent small business owners within the franchisee community. So I started in uh, 
franchising uh, when I was 16 years old, and I've been part of the industry, you know, for now going on, I guess, 23 years. So, um, oh wow, uh, everything wow. that yeah, so everything that we've uh, crafted into our program here at you know Gallagher Franchise Solution kind of stems from all the experiences I've had, you know, working you know both with uh, franchisees, uh, working for franchisors, and now as a as a independent supplier to the franchise community. So, so you primarily uh, insure uh, franchisors. Is that correct? Or? No, no, we do both. So we uh, no, we do both. Develop, okay. de- yeah, yeah, we develop programs for uh, franchisors to you know cover the specific exposures that franchisors face as as in the you know in franchising. Uh, as well as build programs to make it extremely easy for um, franchisees to gain access to affordable um, and uh, top of uh, top quality insurance solutions that meet uh, the specific exposures that they're in, you know, or that they face on a on a day-to-day basis in their specific operations. So, you uh, listening to uh, the show previously, you, you you made the comment that, you know, you're you're working on your business, not in your business, and you know everything that we build into our programs is is really focused on enabling franchisees to do that, not worry about the back office, you know, insurance, safety, loss control, make it extremely easy for them to. To, to manage those aspects of their business so they can focus on growing their same store sales, growing their network, and, you know, uh, living that dream, you know, if you will. So, so we, we have uh, uh, people from both sides of the desk, you know, franchisors and franchisees listening to our show. Mm-hmm. So what is it that keeps franchisors up at night? What are they worried about? What are they insuring? Because, you know, I don't know. know, I've never sat on that side of the desk, so I don't know. You know, what is it that they worry about? What are they – what kind of risk do they have? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, having grown up in franchising, I you know, I worked on on both sides of the table. I worked for franchisees, uh, you know, throughout high school and college, and then I was fortunate enough to be hired – uh, out of college from by a franchisor, and in that initial role, I was a, a franchise business consultant. You know, I was a franchise consultant within a specific area of their network, and you know, I assisted the franchisor in making sure that their their consistency was carrying through to all of their franchisee locations, and that's really what you know. Um, at that point in time, uh, franchisors were concerned about making sure that they're providing a consistent experience to the customers, uh, consistent brand experience that enabled their brand to grow. And so, you know, you fast forward over the years that I've been in franchising and, you know, there's been different exposures or different headwinds facing franchisors. You know, you hear the things about dual employer, you hear things about wage and hour, you know, all of these different headwinds that franchisors are facing today and you know there's mm-hmm. certain exposures that you know can creep up from the franchisee level if you will that um can impact the value of the brand and um impact you know their ability to achieve their goals as franchisors which is to grow their networks right so we right. assist franchisors in identifying those exposures and, and finding ways to transfer the risk associated with those exposures, whether it be through insurance, self-insurance, you know, just different, you know, loss control and safety resources. So, um, 
you know, there's a, there's a variety of things that that keep uh, franchisors up up at night right now. So. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Fred. So, Ray, what keeps you up at night? Besides <laughs> my besides dog. Besides, well, I was going to say besides finding new guests for the Pillars of Franchising show. Um, <laughs> no, I got you for that, Fred. All right, there. <laughs> Man, you really cracked me up. So, Chris. Are there any industries or – yeah, let's leave it at that. Any industries that you guys don't deal with? No, we're we're in um, any industry segment, industry, any industry vertical. Um, we have clients uh, anywhere from the restaurant industry, whether that be fast casual on through to fine dining, uh, home health care. Uh, we do a lot in the uh, – uh, service uh, contractor space, so you know um, your carpet cleaners. Somebody uh, mentioned uh, house cleaners. You know they're, you know, uh, earlier uh, on the show. So we we do any variety of of uh, industry vertical, and we have specific solutions for each vertical. So I've heard that that home health care is a, a rapidly growing industry. Um, mm. Are there what are the, the special issues that you have with regard to risk management in their future? Great question. And, yes, it is one of the fast. what we see is one of the fastest uh, industry segments growing in franchising. Um, you know, there's a, 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 a large client base that is coming into the, into the population for that industry segment. But, you know, the specific exposures, the, the specific exposures that we see in that, that um, is really, you know, finding the uh, right type of employee, if you will, or caregiver to go into the into the home, right? So, you know, you have to be able to find someone who's willing to um, adhere to the training that prevents, you know, industry or uh, injury to the individual that you're taking care of, um, guards against any kind of claims against, you know, crime or theft or um, abuse. You know, those, those are specific uh, to that industry class. Um, and you have to have a strong risk management partner to, to be able to assist in providing and facilitating that type of training. And so, you know, specific to that to that class of business, it's really, you know, uh, what keeps me up at night is finding the right employees or the right caregivers to go into those those type of facilities that are willing to, you know, adhere to the training and and operate under the guidelines of the franchise and and guard against some of those exposures that may do do damage to the brand. So, you know, Ray, as he was saying that, I was thinking you had you said the same thing about your people. So, I guess you're not in residential cleaning anymore. Uh, we could probably describe you as um home health Um, say that again. I, I'm not, well, not sure I as, I was, as I was listening to Chris describe the issues of needing good employees that they that can be trusted to do things in the correct way, um, that are mm-hmm. safe to go in the house, that are um, you know people trust there, and to guard against claims. I'm thinking those are all issues that you have um, with your franchise. Uh, 
past issues, uh, if you want to call them that. Uh, I think well, for that right any... now, I, I I am kind of kind of blessed with the the fact that I have a, a good retention in my employees, um, and we really don't have that many issues. Any not that we really had any to begin with, but I think any any business starting up is going to have some issues that you know things that uh, that are unknown. And which brings to mind uh, something that we probably need to ask Chris, and that is, uh, what are some of you know? How can you insure against a franchise or against the unknown, the things that are that you know uh, kind of blindside people? How do you do that? Yeah, it, you know, I go back to that that word consistency, and that's what franchising is is about, right? Providing that that brand consistency within the network, and that that goes past the operations, that goes past the logo, that goes past the the branding requirements, but it it really dives deep into, you know, you know those those few paragraphs that are in a franchise agreement that speak to insurance requirements and operational guidelines. And, you know, one of the, you know, some of the deepest conversations we have with franchisors are around those insurance requirements and making sure that those are consistent across their network and meet the the needs to um, defend, if you will, against any kind of exposure that they may may face in their network. And, and that really carries through to ensuring that the franchisees are adhering to those those requirements um that they were drafted correctly and you know that they're easily obtainable and you know so you're you're not requiring something that they can't find in the marketplace if you will um but you know they're also available at a at a rate that you know will allow and fit within their business model or a premium that fits within their business model so you know, one of the things that we help franchisors do, which is is track that compliance, right? So, um, you know, we help franchisors understand what their franchisees are buying, as far as insurance is concerned, to ensure that they're li- uh, living up to those expectations or meeting those expectations associated with those requirements, and that provides, you know, just that amount more of re- that uh, reassurance to the franchisor, if you will, that if a franchisee does have a claim, does have an issue, that the right response is going to uh, happen in that in, in that you know particular situation, and not get escalated up to the franchisor. It's not gonna, nothing's gonna prevent someone um, from suing the franchisor, right, or the franchisee at the same time, but uh, having the right insurance that responds to those type of situations. Um, really helps guide or or guard against um you know those those unforeseeable circumstances so it really boils down to working with a a a strong risk management partner that can identify those exposures and draft the 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 policies and the the uh, the insurance policies as well as the um the safety and loss control that can help mitigate those exposures absolutely and let me add this. That is one of the reasons you want to go with a franchise as opposed to going to business on your own because now you have not only the experience of the franchisor but other franchisees who've run into these bumps in the road. They, they've handled it. They know what to do, and they can give you advice on how to handle your bumps. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So speaking of bumps – and, and we are talking about 
franchisors and, and how minimizing the risk or the exposure. And I was contemplating that, so Molly Maid has about 300 uh, franchisees, Ray? I'm right around there, yeah. Okay. And yes. mm-hmm. uh, beginning of the year, we were talking with a, a large franchisor who had like 13,000 locations. So my question is, is how does, how does the differential from a, a 300 to a 13,000, how do you handle that? What's the, I mean, is everything the same? Is the bigger group easier to insure, uh, harder to insure? Um, it's it's not harder to insure. I think the the larger your network grows, the more options you have in in the insurance marketplace um, to reduce the costs associated with insuring the group, if you will. Um, you know, uh, typically in a group that has say 300 franchisees, like you like you stated, um, those franchisees are probably buying their insurance on a one-off basis individually. And if their franchisor has contracted with someone to to develop a program around that, um, then they're you know they're they're getting to participate in and if that that person they contracted with has, has set the program up correctly, they're going to experience some discounts associated with you know being part of a, a large um, uh, program, if you will. Um, the larger you get in size as far as franchise group, it, it, it opens opportunities for self-insurance risk pools or captives or, or different things of that nature where the, the, the group as a whole can actually become the insurance company themselves by reinsurance, um, uh, which would offset any uh, costs associated with underlying claims or reduce, you know, the exposure associated with what the group's paying out to, to pay claims. But when in a larger group type situation, you have the ability to structure these type of, you know, pooled risk programs or these captive um, to gain more control over not only your insurance costs, but uh, even controls within the network when it comes to requirements and safety and loss control and things of that nature. But um, as far as the two groups, you know, uh, being one easier to manage or, 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 or less easy to manage, it really, it, it really doesn't, um, there's, there's really no difference. As long as you're putting the right controls in place, uh, the right mechanism to, to track, you know, the, uh, what, what the franchisees are buying to ensure that there is consistency across the network, um, then it, it, it's, it, it really doesn't matter what size the group is. Hmm. Interesting. Ray, your thoughts? I was wondering what trends are you seeing in the insurance industry uh, for uh, franchisors and franchisees? Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of trends in um, you know how franchisors are interacting with their franchisees um, to uh, mitigate exposure associated with the dual employer. Um, you know, situation that's been out there, you know, fortunately, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is progressing and, you know, we're, we're seeing some new roles get formed around that, you know, that particular issue. Um, so we've, we've, uh, worked with a lot of franchisors to, um, put programs in place to address, you know, that, that particular issue. Um, other trends, you know, that are really popping up is really in the healthcare space. Right. So healthcare is a big topic, you know, in the United States now, ever since the Affordable Health Care Act. 
um, finding options for small business owners um, to find, you know, truly affordable health care that they can pass on to their employees, helping them navigate what are the rules and responsibilities of a small owner, uh, business owner under the health care uh, laws. There was a lot of confusion, you know, at the beginning. We've, we've assisted, you know, quite a few franchisees in understanding what the rules and, and regulations are and finding options for them in their specific areas of the country. But I think there's a lot more opportunity out there for um, more consistent and more broader options for small business owners. And uh, a lot of that is stemming from uh, the latest uh, uh, conversation around association health care plans and things of that nature. Um, there's some some uh, some positives that have come out as far as some of the rule changes associated with those that open up some uh, opportunities to uh, for more affordable options for small business owners, but even with that, there's some some ground to cover and uh, to make it a more uh, viable option in all states. So um, those are those are really the two biggest trends. Um, there's always a there's always a, a concentration on you know finding the most affordable coverage uh, that that um, covers the 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 specific exposures. Uh, that a particular brand faces, so that's that's really what we do on a day in and day ba- day, day out basis. So with, with the uh, for the franchise or out there, what recommendation would you give regarding insurance? You know, how, how do you shop for insurance uh, for a franchise? Um, hire a good broker, right? So work with a, okay. a knowledgeable broker that that uh, is familiar with franchising, that understands the dynamic of the franchise industry, um, understands the specific exposures associated in franchising or associated with franchise operations, and then you know don't you know don't try to find a one size fits all type policy or or what have you you know oftentimes small small business owners franchisees they you know they have a a, a relative in the you know in the insurance business so they go to them or they'll find a local agent or something like that that may uh may or may not have a policy that that truly speaks to the exposures that they're facing right um it's always good to work with someone that's knowledgeable about your business, your specific exposures, the requirements that are set forth by your franchisor. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, that you know that you're going to get the most broad coverage at the best price by being part of a program. Um, that's that would be my advice. Um, not all policies are the same. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, language in insurance policies, and, and working with the right broker to help you understand what is covered and what isn't covered is paramount. So, so they should call Gallagher. <laughs> I'd love for him to call Gallagher. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we, we love the franchise industry. Like I said, I've been in the franchise industry for, you know, coming on 23 years now. Um, I've grown up in franchising. I, I owe a lot to the industry. And my team in Gallagher Franchise Solutions, uh, you know, really invests a lot of time and energy in supporting the, the franchise industry and, and making sure that, you know, we're protecting those brands that we support. You know, we want to make sure that um, the brands that we support are are covered for any type of exposure they may they may face. So, so part of what Ray was sneakily asking you there, kudos <laughs> to Ray was, how do they get a hold of you? 
Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, easy. Um, uh, they can reach out uh, directly to me. Um, we have a website. It's uh, franinsurance.com. That's F-R-A-N-I-N-S-U-R-A-N-C-E, franinsurance.com. Um, uh, all of our contact information is on there. And, uh, you know, uh, as well as some supporting information on, you know, how we build and construct programs specific for uh, franchisors um, and franchisees. So, well, one, one piece of advice I can, I, I can give people is that uh, what Reagan says, trust but verify. So I've been with the mm-hmm. same agent now for, for quite a few years, but every single year, I also get requests for you know for my insurance, and I accept those requests and and give people information, but uh, I also almost inevitably will go back to my age my regular agent uh, because I know and trust him, and I think that's important to have trust in your agent because he's gonna he's the one that's gonna tell you like it is, and you're not gonna get a line you know, like you might from some other one, you know, desperate for your business. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Trust, but verify. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll see if we can get you up as um, old Reagan in the upcoming movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, I know. Uh, thanks, Chris. We'll be bringing you back in a couple. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thanks. All right. So, folks, as always, you can dial in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. If you're at the PillarsofFranchising.com website, you can either fill out a form to be a guest or a sponsor, um, or you can send us feedback. Now, from a word from another of our sponsors. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And on another note, the Great American Franchise Expo is this weekend in Mesa, Arizona. It's 6th and 7th at the Mesa Convention Center. You get free tickets by going to the Great American Franchise Expo website. Um, It runs on Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., Sunday 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., and you get to use really, really cool virtual reality glasses. Yeah, franchising in virtual reality. Ain't that a kick, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think some people who get into it think they're in some sort of a virtual world. So if 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 you had been given VR goggles and then taken into somebody's uh, uh, bathroom to see the VR toilet, would you have become a, a 
residential cleaning franchisee owner and top 10 well, Mali uh, made owner. You know, it depends on, on how the VR was created. I mean, uh, you've got the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> good thing VR doesn't um, encompass smell because that would really be That's right. <laughs> So who's our next so, guest? Uh, are, are you going to welcome Rick? No, I, I'm I? not. I'll let you because if we do it different, we'll get complaints from our listeners that we weren't being fair. Oh. So I'll let you give another short intro. <laughs> All right. We'd like to welcome Richard Morgan. And uh, uh, Rick, as he likes to be called, I, I think, is I'll, I'll have a glass of red. Yeah, thank you. Oh, wow. Hello, Rick. I recognize the voice. Can hardly hear you. Get real close to your microphone. I said I can. I recognize the voice of the promotional announcement. And I happen to be one of those consultants for the franchise consulting company. And I guess with 2,000 years of experience, does that mean franchising was existed in the first century? I don't know. I was thinking that one, that means one of you guys is really, really old. So it could be me. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? So I'll ask the next question as we ask everyone. We we started out on the East Coast. We got to the the I guess Midwest, Oklahoma's or middle of the company country. Middle Where of the country. Yeah. I am in sunny California. I live in the eastern part of the San Francisco Bay Area. We're having a nice fall day, about seventy degrees, blue sky. Uh, it's a so, great day in where I live in Danville, California. So then I'll ask. Um, yesterday we had a bunch of. I'm on the Central Coast in in Shell Beach, as it's well known. Um, uh, outside of, or we don't. We say Shell Beach. Others say we're part of Pismo. I disagree. So do most others. Um, we had rain yesterday. <laughs> First time in eight months, Ray. Um, I took video of it. Oh. Also, Ray. So did you have rain yesterday? Did you yesterday? capture any? <laughs> the car was wet. Not, not really. We may have gotten one one hundredth of, of an inch of rain. So it just, oh uh, gosh, it's just a passing shower, and that was it. Like like I keep on telling Fred, you guys just don't have weather. You don't know what weather is. You know, so. Like night before last, it rained. It rained so hard here, it filled up a, a five-gallon bucket in a few minutes, <laughs> you know? and then it stopped, and 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 then it got hot. Then it got cold. The only thing and we then didn't the mosquitoes came here out. Snow. <laughs> yeah, don't pick on the. You guy. don't have weather on the left coast. No, it's true. You're absolutely right. We don't have weather on the left coast, and. It's amazing that when rain does threaten, how it becomes the major topic of every newscast. You know, just rain is coming. It's got to be headline news. Around here, yeah, it's, ooh, it's raining. Don't go out. It'll be long traffic. <laughs> Don't go out. 
and, and that's the big rain. difference. Yeah, you know, yeah. here in the Midwest, oh, it's raining. Let's go out and jump in the puddles. Ooh, there's a tornado. Let's go chase the tornado. I did that when I was in Kansas and Oklahoma. More on that one later. Yeah, well. <laughs> All right. Enough weather talk. We, 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 we've, we've had now weather reports from five different areas. What's our first question, Ray? Okay. So what are the, you know, characteristics that a candidate needs to exhibit to a franchisor in order to be awarded a territory? And, and of course, that assumes that, you know, he qualifies monetarily. So, you know, what characteristics does a franchisor look for? I think there are really three general characteristics that kind of make the whole process happen. And the first one is really to be responsive. I mean, you've agreed to commit your time as a candidate. You've agreed to commit your time to to me and and to the franchise company that you're interested in. If they're trying to educate you on their business model, the unit economics, the culture, marketing, and so forth, Respond to them. Be quick to respond and, and engage. And then uh, I think I think what makes the process work too is if there's homework to be done, you commit to have it done by a certain date, follow through. Spend the time to follow through. Show the franchise company that you've, you've peeled back the onion to try to understand and develop good questions about what's you know, where they're headed. And, and so forth. And what I like to see is when people come to the process with an open mind. You know, they're not fixated on one particular franchise. They're they're you know help me learn about this business and help me find what could be right. And let's talk about my goals and what I, I expect to get out of this you know, over the next five, ten years. So I think those are the three key elements that enable the process and really allow the franchisor to get to know the client and determine if they're a right match and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Same with the client. If they're willing to engage and really understand the business, then it's determining, you know, and, and their well, gut, is this really right for me? So a exactly. question then. The question that raises to me is you said um, that they need to come to – the, I guess the meeting with an open mind. Why would somebody go with a closed mind? Or have you seen examples of that? I, well, I, it, it, it could come with a misunderstanding that franchising is limited. You know, there's there's a oh, I got a presentation deck that kind of throws out some humor about the myth and whether franchising is only fast food and retail, but it's so much more. I mean, as even Ray, you're being an owner of Molly Made and some of the number of concepts that have been discussed already, it's it's really kind of tr- creating a trust that the consultant, me, can understand what you're trying to achieve, what you can contribute to the to the process and the business and help find that right match. And it may be something that you never thought of. 
So if you you're okay with that, then we can you know, that open mind will allow me to allow us to explore different, many different experiences. So do you get well? All right. So do you get? So I guess there's when with your answer, I guess there's two points. There's people who come to you saying, I guess, daring you to find them a franchise. Is, is that a idea of a closed mind? It's a, they come to you that they are pushed by a family member to do it, and so they do it, but they're bound and determined not to buy one. Um, does that happen? Or is it more of, I want this franchise, even if I'm not suited to it? Like if Ray couldn't... Yeah, it's, it's more more the latter. They've come with experience or observe certain franchise concepts. And it, it may relate to the passion. It may relate to they really love the food or, or the service or whatever. And this is the one I want. And there are... A minority of, of candidates who are skeptical of the process on whether one can be found. So those are the. With that, you just have to recognize it and kind of develop that trust, break down that barrier to to say, hey, well, you know, I, I can show you some things that will fit what you're trying to achieve. Okay. So I all right. I understand. Um, Ray. So the whole process, the whole process is a two-way street, really. And if you walk into a franchisor's office with a closed mind, either because you really want that, or you're saying let them convince me, then I, I think you've already lost the battle. Because you really need to keep an open mind. You need to listen to what they say. They need to listen to what you say, and see if there's a match. Not. Tr- go in with preconceptions. Uh, am I, I, I right, Greg? Yes. That, that's that's a, that's a per, great, perfect response. I mean, I, I absolutely agree, and I wanted to add that in, when I first mm-hmm. engage with your client, it's, I do explain that it's a two-way street, just as was said. It's a process where you're being evaluated as you are evaluating the company and determining exactly. if you're right match. Someone doesn't just go in and plop down a suitcase full of money and say, I want to buy three locations. You're actually awarded a franchise, and you can accept or you can not accept that award. But you have to wait, go through the process, be approved, and be awarded that franchise before you become part of that, part of that family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's important. You need to have that dialogue. Because, like in my case, I was looking for something technical, you know, a muffler shop, electrical uh, contracting, you know, something like that. And I ended up with something totally different. But ironically, I still get to practice some of my passions because I like to work on cars and we provide cars for our employees. So I, I get to work on cars and I get to work on the business. So... And the things I don't like to do, well, you know, those are the things that you hire people to do. So, you know, I think in my case, I'm I'm very happy, which kind of leads me into some of the next, uh, somewhat of the next question. I know a lot of people are looking for a franchise because they don't want to work or, 
and and so how many people what, what is the prospective semi absent owner expectant you know uh, and i mean there's all kinds of franchises and ones that well you're pretty much you know 100% of everything and other franchises where you're not so absentee ownership has always been a question um, when a person's looking for a franchise. What can you tell us about that? Well, I, I yes, I, I mean franchise companies do offer the two different types of ownership: semi-absentee or fully operated, owner-operated, and. You know, first off, we talk talk about what what is that really going to involve? I mean, if, if it is a true semi-absentee, do you have 15, 20, 25 hours a, a week to work on the business, not in, in the business? Semi-absentee ownership is you know is, is easily addressed if someone's going to be a multi-unit owner or area you know have an area or a master license. But for those starting off with one or, one or two units, it's figuring out the concepts that truly offer that, and then figuring out if that's going to work with their current life schedule, work, kids, you know, home life. And so we really have to dig into that and understand that, not just kind of gloss over it. So it can run the spectrum. Uh, and, and just as uh, for our, our listeners' pleasure, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the beginning, and now I'm at a point where I spend – I don't know, I'm going to say 20, 30 hours a week, maybe, as opposed to when I started the business, 60, 70 hours a week. But I also knew that I was going to be going in that direction. So I think one of the, I'm going to to switch gears here a little bit. And I think, Fred, you wanted to talk a little bit about SM. Is that correct? S&M? Oh, no, SM, not S&M, SM. Social media? Fred, didn't you want to ask Rick about social media? Uh, no, I didn't want to ask him. Ask him no. He may be in San Francisco. I don't want to add anything. Anything at all. Whoa, I'm staying away from that one. We're a family show here. Or at least a business yeah. Well, it's SM, right? Uh, I mean, it's not like Fifty Shades of anything. <laughs> oh, killing me, dude! Go ahead and ask the question. You, you take that one. <laughs> mm. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> Well, 
No, this this is this is your this is your bailiwick here, Brad. This is the question you need to ask. Uh, I, I was just you are, I was just b- b- providing you a platform to do that on. Oh, you are just killing me there. <laughs> so you're, you're laughing so hard you can't even control yourself. Oh, wow. Uh, we got to use it as, a, as one of the, the <laughs> promo trailers there. Fred, what do you think about S&M? Yeah, no. Living too the marketing. So. <laughs> Social <You> media. Know, <laughs> okay. Social media. So first, uh, as I ask this question, um, one of the first, the first time Ray met, the first question raised out of Ray's mouth um, was, "You're not going to sell me Twitter, are you?" <laughs> Which my reply was cracking up, going, "No, but you got, you got some bad Google reviews." At which point Ray said, "I got Google reviews," and I said, "Yeah, and some of them are bad." And he said, "I got Google reviews," and we've been taking care of his Google reviews ever since. <laughs> So uh, let's talk and and raise is right. Social media, not S and M, is is something that um, obviously I do a lot of and deal with it. Um, how has social media changed how uh, consultants market themselves and prospect for new leads? That, that's true. I mean, you're Right before um, we came on, you mentioned that the Great American Franchise Expo is going to be in Mesa, Arizona this weekend. Well, we had one, we did a Great American Franchise Expo in uh, Santa Clara, California, a little over two weeks ago. And uh, I, I, to generate leads, I ran a text messaging campaign where people opted in for free tickets. And by doing that, they provided me with their contact information, which provided me with 80 some odd leads, which allows me to follow up with them and engage them in a conversation and start seeing if we can go down the road of taking a look at franchising. So those are great developments, uh, the, you know, the, of being able to invest a little bit of money and prospect. So, all right, so people opt in. Um, yeah, and then you, you can. You get contact info. So, text message. All right, so my so question here is. Okay, so here's my question. You've got the contact info and um, through social media. Do you go through the. Uh, contact or the lead social media to see if it if it reveals any interests or um, uh, causes no I don't think I understood your question so in other words all right so what I find is when um, I'm developing leads through social media um, after I get the contact information I go in and uh, research 
the lead social media. I'll check out the Facebook, the, the LinkedIn, the Twitter, the Google+, the Instagram. I've been known to go hot or, or um, I won't use the word I normally use, but I'll go and been known to go to Vimeo and YouTube and uh, to look, to look at to get an idea of who I'm talking to um, and what their interests and and uh, experiences. How much when you're going to talk to a, a franchisee lead? How much do you of that type of uh, deep research would you say is relevant for a consultant to do? Most of the time, I just have a situation which either interest in the industry, and they, they really probably don't know about our, our process and, and the, the service that we provide. Can provide and no charge, so I'm prepared to talk about that. And really want to extract, you know, what prompted them to register for, or to, for for free tickets for the the expo, or what prompted them to register for a webinar that I was contacting, and the, the extraction of that information plus any information that they provided on a, just a very simple registration form can start the basis for a good conversation. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So um, what social media platform and not S&M platform do you find is the best return on investment or the best place for people to develop leads? It's the s No, I'm just kidding. But... So the, uh, I primarily use LinkedIn, and I do have a, a premium subscription that allows me to do a lot of different things. Uh, I have tried other uh, campaigns, uh, Facebook ads, and so forth. But to me, provides the best source of, or, or data pool to try to find prospect, uh, prospective clients. Okay, that makes sense, Ray. Your question. Well, do you think it's should we, we should we kind of unmute everybody right now and have a general discussion about now? Because I have a question that I think that we would probably like to hear from everyone on, and that is, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about buying a franchise? And All I'm right. going to start it off with. Wait, I'm wait, 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 wait. I'm fine doing this and and going to that idea, but let's first do our last station identification. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, go ahead. All right, do that. And I got a I, I got a question to start everybody off with. I mean, an answer. Okay. But go ahead. All right. We want to thank the Link Local Network for uh, broadcasting our show. Callers can dial in at 323-580-5755. At 323-580-5755. And uh, this is a word from a woman who taught me social media, or at least some of it. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? 
Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to mediavinemarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises, and we want to help yours grow. And speaking of whiteboard animations, um, we got some nice response for the whiteboard animation that was posted on your Facebook page uh, uh, dealing with Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, You want to say, before we bring everybody on, you want to say a thing or two about this month and how you... Uh, are committed to ending domestic violence awareness or domestic violence? No, no, we're not committed to ending the awareness. We want to continue with the awareness, and and that is the key right there. We want to end, of course, domestic violence, but we want to increase the awareness that's out there, that there is help available out there, and there's a, a, a lot of places you can call. And, and in my case, there's a, there's a local safe house, and, uh, you, you know, they would give you counseling and they would give you, you know, uh, in the case of an emergency, a place to stay if need be. But you need to contact somebody. And if you are a franchisee, I, uh, you know, get involved with your community. Because in my case, in uh, my, my, wife, my wife's case, my case, we wanted to be involved in the community. And this is the way we do it. We get in, involved uh actually throughout the year, but we have a concentration in, in the month of October um, with uh, Mutual Ground, which is a local uh, safe house and shelter, that um, and we get involved. Uh, this year we're going to be in their walkathon to help raise money for, uh, f- uh, for the cause. So but let's get uh, okay. enough about wait that right now. Wait, wait, <laughs> time out, time out. Time out. On this topic, who do you support? Who's your local? Um, who's your local uh, charity? Yes, uh, uh, through through the Miss Molly Foundation, which was is part of the franchise, we support the local shelter called Mutual Ground. And you can get to them at mutualground.org. And um, what you don't know, Ray, is uh, I'm actually a survivor of domestic violence um, as a kid. So on that oh. cheery note, we'll bring everybody back, although it appears we may have lost Rick. But now, Ray, you can take it away with your question. Okay. Now everybody's had a few minutes to think about the, the, the question, and that is what advice would you give to someone who says, hey, you know, I'm thinking about maybe getting involved in a franchise. Personally, my advice is, don't take advice from your friends and family unless they are in the business. So take it away, guys. Whoever wants to answer that first, what advice would you give someone? Well, this is Tom, and I, I'll take it if you want. Sure. Hi, Tom. Yeah, go ahead. Hey. So um, I always share with folks to not become infatuated with a particular concept. Sometimes you might find yourself in a franchised restaurant 
and you say like, oh man, this is like, this is great food. Um, you know, it would do great in my town, and there's not another one around for 40 miles. You, you know, you might be right, but it may not be the right franchise for you. Um, so you got to really get into a business for the right reasons. It's got to be business decisions, and not just. Um, you don't. You never buy from the customer's perspective. You got to buy from a business owner perspective. That sounds like good advice. Uh, thank you, Chris. Are you there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I I I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, you know, uh, my my advice. I've I've got a lot of ideas about you know how to examine and, and evaluate franchises, but um, I I would first and foremost say you know get into something that you think you're going to enjoy working on and not working in. You know, um, a lot of times uh, folks who buy franchises. Um, are, are getting in themselves into another job instead of, you know, really truly being a business owner and um, really go into it with the idea that, you know, this is going to be, you know, your business. It's going to be your, uh, your dynasty, if you will. You want to grow it out um, and, and, and look for something that you would enjoy working on instead of working in, you know, and something that would enable you to, to reach your goals. Um, and then talk. Uh, if you identify a brand, talk to the franchisees that are already in, in that specific concept. You know, some of the most honest, down-to-earth folks are in franchising, and they will open up to you and share as much information about their experiences as, as you have time to listen. So, um, you know, definitely have those conversations uh, and, and, and in your evaluation process. So, And Rick, who got, we've got back. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Can, would you please? Well, one yeah, of the things we need to know from Rick too is how to get a hold of Rick. So, but go ahead and answer <laughs> the question. What advice would you give, uh, uh, you know, someone thinking about uh, a franchise? My advice would be to don't go at, at it alone. Seek out a an interview consultant. I mean, you don't buy a home by yourself. You don't look at insurance by yourself. Uh, you do a lot of research and work with other people for other aspects of your life. Why do it with franchising, which could be you know, such a major decision in your life? Help, seek the help of somebody who has the expertise and is willing to work with you. So that, that's my advice. You need to seek out you, you need to seek out the right advice though because in my case yeah. any time I mentioned that to any of my relatives what I was doing that's opening up a home cleaning franchise they said are you nuts you know so that was the advice <laughs> I got from them and they said yes I am that's okay. <laughs> Well, you know, you have to be a little bit nuts to do this, but I mean, to be a franchise owner. But uh, so, okay, Rick, how how do people get a hold of you? Well, they can call me at nine two five three two four six three seven one. My email address is Rick R I C K at the C H E franchise consulting company.com that's all one word rick at the franchise consulting company.com 925-324-6371 thank you 
All right. So I have a I have a question now. We've got besides having a a, a vast geographical uh, coverage on today's show, we've got a a whole lot of experience. So, gentlemen, based on your experience, where is the field of franchising going in the future? We'll start with how about Tom? Start us off on the East Coast. Sure. Um, I think it's interesting where I think we're at, at a very pivotal point in franchising, and I don't think that it's your grandfather's franchise anymore. I think it's very, very different in regard technology, what I've been noticing over the past few years is that a lot of franchise companies are getting um, cash from private equity firms, and they're taking that money and they're investing in cutting-edge technology. So now it's making it easier to have a full-time job and own a franchise kind of on the side, if you will, um, because of technology and also really being able to go into an area and I don't want to say squash the competition, but you're definitely going to stand out because you're going to have customer facing apps and phenomenal websites, which with, you know, magnificent search engine optimization, if you're part of a franchise operation. Um, so I think that's where this is headed in, in franchising is it, it's going to be really technology driven, which is very exciting. Ray, you guys use a whole lot of technology in Molly Made. Yes, we do. And you would think, you know, how much technology is there in cleaning a home? But it is all about customer service, and it's not in the home necessarily all of it. Uh, we have uh, outstanding software to keep track of everybody and, and move things around and billing and and where our you know employee teams are at any one place, and how long they've been there, and how long it's taking them to get from one place to another, and all this is tracked via computers, uh, and it's extremely sophisticated software. So, you know, it's it's not as and and me coming from a technical background, uh, I I do have an appreciation for that. So then, Chris, in Oklahoma. What trends in franchising are you seeing? What's the future of franchising bringing? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I see it as an industry that's going to continue to grow, and it's providing a ton of opportunity for you know young entrepreneurs to get into business and um, you know get into uh, you know uh, a system and and a way to, um, as was previously spoken on the on the show here, you know guide them through the the business process and getting getting established and what have you so i see it uh it becoming a very um young uh, industry um you know the conferences that i attend and uh the clients that we're supporting um you know what used to be someone who was getting into the industry at you know uh, in their 40s or or what have you you know we're seeing folks in their 20s get into the industry and buy their first franchising so or first franchise. So I see, you know, a lot of trends in, you know, uh, folks who are getting out of college and, and going directly into business for themselves with the support of, you know, uh, their network. Um, so uh, I see it, you know, the, the, the industry continuing to, continuing to trend that way. And, you know, technology plays into that. Um, a lot of what, you know, these folks that are getting into franchising are attracted to are the tech, you know, the technology technological advantages that franchisors are providing their their operators so and they're you know uh, it's 
uh, I think that's the direction it's headed. Um, the more creative franchisors get to, uh, you know, enable someone to operate and, and grow their franchise uh, network, um, you know, uh, that's, that's where uh, you're going to see the most interest from prospective franchisees. So. Okay. So, Rick, you're at the heart of, of I guess, technological the, the technog- technological heart of U- the U.S. and San Francisco. What do you see for as the future of franchising? Uh, a, a couple of things, and I'll, I'll digress a bit. Uh, I was meeting with a husband and wife client last night, and it was the husband who said that in he works in Mountain View, and in his company, they've implemented a robot that will serve eight standardized meals. So I said, well, you know, I haven't seen that evolve into franchising yet, but who knows? But And then last week I was at a networking group for finance executives, and one individual said he's, he is seeing M&A, uh, mergers and acquisitions, kind of die down. And I, I said I, I counter that because I'm seeing a lot of that happen within franchising. And so, you know, even with industries that have been around a long time, there's always innovation within those industries that keep it growing. And it's good pokey with sushi and, and other things. So if you're, if you're going to come out with a new concept, you might want to think about linking up with a development company because that's, that seems to where, where it's, you need that, that capital, you need that, that backing and support behind you. And that's, I think an emerging brand can't do it on their own anymore. And I think whether it's service, food, or, or product, you're gonna they'll, they'll have to try to stay ahead of the game through technological applications. Whether it's a, a ride-sharing service type of app for your service, so that somebody can use their phone to request a service and then connect with the provider and within 30 minutes it's done or the mobile app to order and pick up your food, uh, things like that. So it's kind of find the might behind you. You might have a great idea, but you need some capital behind you in order to, to grow. So look for these development companies and adopt technology. So that's what, I kind of rambled on to there. That's that's where I'm coming from. Ray, what do you got to say? In technology, I think that's, uh, you know, I I still find it uh, interesting that uh, most people wouldn't think that the business I'm in would be uh, so so, uh, technology heavy, but it is. And I, I think that that's the trend that we're uh, in every business is, is heading. I, I just don't see in my particular industry where we're going to have robots out there cleaning houses. So I think uh, kind of safe. All my employees are safe for a little while at least. All right. So since we're talking about robots here, now we get to go to the twilight zone. So, when will there be the first AI franchises, the first artificial intelligence franchises? 
<laughs> well, well, I think I think that's up to uh, artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, folks. We don't got to answer that question. Um, that go way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah way, way, way down. You got any last questions uh, for our panel? No, but I certainly do appreciate them being uh, on the air with us, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking with all of them. So then, um, from from the east coast to the the uh, west coast, um, I'll ask Tom, what's what, the last word you would like to leave with our audience? Well, for me, I would like to say that you know, whenever you're faced with uh, some kind of fear or great decision, uh, choose uncertainty because that's where the magic happens. Ooh, very philosophical, Chris. I like it, that's that's extremely tough to follow. Um, I, you know, I really, really, you know, really appreciate the opportunity to to join you guys today. Um, you know, uh, just putting my risk manager hat on. Um, you know, the the last bit of advice that I would provide is, you know, know your exposures, understand, you know, and make sure you're having those conversations with your insurance agent or broker to. You know, make sure that you are covered in the event of a of an unforeseen incident uh, uh, situation. Um, the hardest thing to do is is to recover from a loss, and without the right you know protocols in place, uh, insurance in place, it makes it that much different, uh, m- that much more difficult. So, have those conversations, um, and uh, uh, as was stated pr- uh, previously, trust but verify. So, uh, you you put a word in for Ray. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Reagan, Reagan. Reagan. No, Ray for Reagan. Yeah, I know. Uh, Rick, not Ray, not Reagan, but Rick, your last, the last thought you didn't like to impart on our listeners. It's never too late to look into franchising, being educated uh, about the process and concepts is free. If you have the yeah. inkling about owner, uh, becoming an entrepreneur and business ownership, act on it. Why? Because it, it is free. You, you can get you, a lot of information. You can get educated. That's the benefit of franchising is that you can research it to death. You know, we don't want you to mm-hmm. research it to death, but you know, there is more information available than any other types of ways to start a business. And on that note, yep. Ray, you got anything last, any last words for our audience? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And you you gotta jump in. You gotta jump in. You get you know yep. if if you have an interest in this, just jump in with both feet. Do 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 your due diligence. Get out there. Start talking to people. Um it's it's amazing, especially in this day and age with with the internet and everything, how much you can find out about it. Anything. You know, in franchising, there's just an abundance of information that you wouldn't believe out there. And on that note, I will. My last comment would be, call me for marketing. And <laughs> 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 that most the M word. The M word, correct? Marketing. <laughs> Match word. The duck comes down. I got to get that old thing from Groucho Marx so we can play that. So I uh, think I guess Rick Morton. <laughs> Morgan, Chris Mangum, not Chris Magnum, although that would be cool too, and Tom Scarda (laughs) for being on today's Pillars of Franchising. Guys, we're going to have you back on. 
Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah.